Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. In this podcast, we speak to professionals about public health in community, global, and environmental health settings. We talk about mentorship. We talk about how to develop public health professionals and podcasters. And we address some of the major crucial issues of our day as it affects environmental, community, and global health. And so join us along this journey as we speak about creative solutions and partnerships so that we can proactively make a change for public health. Happy New Year and welcome to our first episode of the year, 2022, of the Public Health Networker podcast. Hope you're doing well. And I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Before we begin this episode, I wanted to share some of the events that we have coming up ahead and to share um, the theme of this current podcast series with you. So uh, I'll start there. The current podcast series is covering the topic of mentorship. In episode seven, we spoke with Raul Figueroa of LA County Public Health, who shared information about what an epidemiologist does and what the MPH journey was like for him. And um, now we are here in episode eight, and we are continuing that theme of mentorship as we speak to Dr. Samuel Clasp, who will be discussing the DRPH journey and sharing a little bit about what health policy has been like and that journey in the field of public health. So I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we begin, I was gonna go ahead and just share some of our upcoming events with you. On February the 9th, I invite you to join us for the Podcasters Q&A workshop. That's gonna be taking place through Eventbrite. You can find that link on our website. And if you are a member of the network, you can attend free. Um, even prior to that, we have a couple of other really uh, interesting and fun things ahead. So for example, in March, we are going to be doing our first public health mastermind, public health podcasters mastermind, where experienced podcasters with at least six months of continuous, consistent um, experience, or actually 30, podcast episodes will be uh, qualified to attend this mastermind group where we are going to be working together for five weeks as a team to brainstorm and share ideas, resources, and motivation to get your podcast to the next level of listenership, strategy, and operations. So do consider joining us. And that information will also be on our website. In addition to our link tree, um, our Linktree link. And you can find us on Twitter with all that information at PH Podcasters. Another thing that's coming up is something that I believe is crucial and very important right now. It is the Public Health Advocacy Coalition for Controlling COVID-19, also known as PHA3C. This is our coalition led by the Public Health Podcast Network to provide more practical, clear messaging and important information from a public health perspective 
about controlling this pandemic once and for all. So do look out for that information. We have an event that's going to be scheduled for the 22nd of this month of January, and I hope you'll be joining us for that. So those are the three events and updates I did want to share with you today. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Samuel Clasp. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of the Public Health Podcaster or Public Health Networker, excuse me. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno, and today we're speaking with Dr. Samuel Clasp. He has a doctorate in public health, and he works at the CDC as a policy analyst. Welcome, Samuel, Dr. Samuel. Thank you very much, Dr. Moreno, for having me today. I really appreciate joining you and speaking with you guys a little more. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. So today we're going to be talking about um, the role of policy in public health. We're going to be talking about the DRPH and mentorship in general as well. So, um, you know, Dr. Samuel, Dr. Claps, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Definitely, I can do that. Um, I'll just start with a short disclaimer that the views and opinions expressed here are solely my own, and they are not representative of any policy or belief of any organization I'm currently affiliated with or will be affiliated with in the future. Um, but to tell you a little bit more about myself, um, I'm originally from the United States Virgin Islands. I grew up in Trinidad, and I immigrated to the United States back in 2005. Um, so I've been here ooh, almost... 15 years, a little over 15 years at this point. Um, I've been working in public health policy for almost five years professionally and in healthcare generally for over seven years. Um, policy specifically has been a very interesting portion of public health for me. And I really find a lot of interest in how you know the law connects to health outcomes and the ways policies shape our ability to be healthy, which I really am passionate about. So that is really why I'm into public health policy and why I'm here to talk to you today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Please tell us a little bit more about the story of how you got started in public health. How did you become aware of this field? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, so like a lot of people I knew, I started undergrad in Orlando as a pre-med major, and I really wanted to be a pediatrician at the time. And the more I sat in those science classes and those fundamental classes, I really got to understand that being a doctor was a little bit more than just learning science and understanding how to treat patients, but it was really around centering around patient care. And the more I evaluated that, I thought, I don't really think that would be a good fit for me. I couldn't really see myself doing that for 20, 30 years. So I kind of got in a rut because this was later in my program. I believe I was in the last half of my junior year. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And one of my great professors, Dr. Sahu, who was a microbiology teacher at the time, she was like, I think you should look into public health. You want to be in healthcare, but you don't necessarily want to treat patients. And there's a lot that can be done in public health. I had never heard the phrasing of public health until that point. 
And I started doing a deep dive, researching, looking up different career paths, different interests, topic areas. And I really fell in love with the work that I saw people doing. So states like New York, California, and what they were doing around tobacco control, et cetera, really kind of lit a fire in me for public health that I didn't know existed until that point. Um, so right around that time, I started looking for master's programs, and that is what eventually brought me to Atlanta a few years after that, where I pursued my master's in public health. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, and then from there, how did you get started in the field of or in the DRPH program? So after my MPH, I did go on to get a Juris Master's at Emory School of Law. And I really was interested in how laws affected health. I thought also at one point I wanted to be a lawyer, but I really understood that I just wanted some of that foundational knowledge, which that JM program really provided. So it helped me connect the dots that I was speaking in my work field. So I had just started working at CDC at the point, and I was working in public health policy, but some of that background knowledge the interwebbing of how policy comes to be was still missing. And I really appreciated learning that knowledge and those aspects from that law school program. Mm -hmm. From there, I decided that um, I wanted to get a terminal degree. I knew it was something I always wanted to get. Um, and then I knew that for the roles and positions that I would want to pursue in the future in my career, that it would be best to have a terminal degree to show that I have obtained mastery of my skills. Mm -hmm. And of course, to continue to learn and grow, um, which is always important in public health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. So then uh, what was that experience like for you going through the DRPH, um, you know, combining that with law, um, what was your program like? Uh, what was your favorite class? What, what was your favorite aspect in the DRPH? Okay, um, so I obtained my DRPH from Georgia State University School of Public Health. And um, I was actually a part of the inaugural class there. So we were the first set of students as a part of that cohort back in 2018. Um, and I had a really good experience overall. I think at the beginning, um, the school was very transparent in letting us know that this was a new program. So there would be bumps along the road, which for the most part, they were really transparent about. Um, they kept us students informed. Um, we got opportunities to let them know what we liked, what we didn't like, and what should be changed. So really having our input valued and appreciated as part of that formation of the program was really one of my favorite pieces because I got to see the program shift and evolve as more and more students. Um, they're currently recruiting for the fifth cohort and to see the changes that I got to be a part of has, was really beneficial. Of course, the School of Public Health had existed for almost 20 plus years at the point. So the faculty and education were top tier and stellar. We had people working in academic research, people working for the CDC, the state health department, and those with decades of experience. So that was really good. Um, and really getting to learn and grow with my peers who also had experience in public health was one of my favorite parts of that program because I didn't just get to learn from the professors. I really got to learn from people who were doing public health work and had been for five, 10, 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, to have that additional 
bonus of getting to be part of the design of the program is wonderful, right? Yes. Um, yes. And also just kind of like the best of all worlds, really, because you had that expertise with the professors already in the field of public health, but it's just the, that it was a new program. Right. Um, you know, likewise, yeah, in, in our program uh, where I did my PhD, we didn't have a DRPH yet at the time. We're talking about 2013 when I started over there, but um, now we have one and I kind of wish it had been there sooner because I, I think the <laughs> DRPH is wonderful. I think it's a great opportunity to combine that applied research with yes. academics, right? And um, not too many fields get to have that opportunity. So, Definitely. That's excellent. Uh, what was your dissertation on? Ooh, my dissertation was on, let me see if I remember the title, Leveraging Federal Policies to Prevent and Respond to Communicable Disease Outbreaks in Skilled Nursing Facilities. So of course, tapping into the COVID-19 pandemic that really um, ravaged nursing homes early on in the pandemic. Um, a lot of my work at the time was centered around healthcare worker safety, and we were looking into the effects of COVID-19 on nursing home patients, as well as the healthcare providers who worked with them. So taking that aspect from my work and really leaning into the legal policies and understanding it for my dissertation was kind of getting to join the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Wonderful that I didn't know that you were working on it during COVID. Uh, it's such an excellent time. I mean, it's, it's an awful time to be here right now in the pandemic, of course, but it's an excellent time to be in the field of public health to get this degree and you know in future decades to be able to tell your students or your mentees that you learned during the pandemic i think that's you know that's just experience again that um yeah it's unprecedented <laughs> in its own way so that's that's wonderful to hear that you were able to do this work and most likely your work also helped a lot of communities it helped those nursing homes and um serve the public as a result of this applied work that you do. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have a little bit more of a conversation on law and public health. I uh, wasn't too familiar with your legal um, training as well, your uh, academic background, and um, how that relates to so much of what's going on with the pandemic and policy and things like that. Um, I would also just like to ask you now in, in our next question about what that role is of policy and even law in the field of public health. Thank you. Um, when I think of public health policy, it is really a diverse topic area that does not look the same from institution to institution or even within different divisions in the same institution. Um, policy really encompasses almost everything that we do in public health, the written law, that governs public health and safety. It is the regulatory practices that ensure safety for public health. It is the way that we understand how population health outcomes are affected, whether there are seatbelt laws, whether there are road safety and traffic signs. These are all elements of public health policy that people may not be necessarily familiar with until you connect the dots. So taking it back to going to law school, I really wanted to understand where the law design comes from and how that really impacts public health outcomes. 
um, we know prior to the mandating of seatbelt laws across the United States, um, accidents were very fatal. They a lot of times um, had a lot of deadly repercussions and there were of course health challenges because there were a lot of people getting into accidents and there was no real barrier to protect them. Once seatbelt laws went nationwide, we got to see a public health tool or intervention be put in place and immediately affect population health outcomes. So health outcomes from accidents drastically changed once we put these laws into place. So these little elements of policy really connect to a population or population's ability to be healthy. Um, for me specifically, I was looking at underserved and marginalized communities and how the laws we have in place really affect their health. So thinking about areas with food deserts and zoning laws and regulations and what that means and why 10 liquor stores can be within a two mile radius as opposed to a grocery store, which affects a community's ability to get fresh fruits and vegetables or a city that does not have walkability because there's no funding for sidewalks and crossing walks. These things affect people's ability to get exercise, to actually interact with their community, to get out, get fresh air and get the things that they need. And I really wanted to understand the inner workings of that. And that really encompasses a lot of what public health is. Mm -hmm. Currently, I work on housing policy, which we're looking at how older adults can age in place. So a lot of older adults may need to shift to live with a family member, they may need to go to a nursing home or an assisted living facility due to health complications, due to other issues. But what can public health do? What policies can we put in place to make sure that people are able to live independently, even if we have to provide some social safety nets? So maybe a nurse to check on them weekly or having their medication delivered or having a home grocery delivery program. So things like that are what is really important to me. And I think public health policy touches a lot of those aspects. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just in the realm of population health. We are not talking environmental health and all the other aspects that it really is important for. Mm, thank you. And, you know, we talked about this um, before the recording, before we started this podcast episode, but, um, you know, public health is huge. There's just so many aspects of public health. Um, we've seen the social determinants, you know, I don't know if you've seen that tree model that someone created a while back where it's just like um, how public health just impacts or is related or is impacted by maybe both impacts and is impacted by pretty much everything we interact with in the environment, right? From, you know, air to transportation, to education, from safety and, you know, you get, you get it. So on everything, yes. um, literally pretty much everything. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that it's important to have these conversations to continue to share awareness of what public health is. Um, I'm finding that during the pandemic, there's folks who think that public health and medical health, clinical stuff is equal. It's the same thing. Um, this equals this, and it, it's not the same. Uh, we are not uh, physicians in this field. We are not MDs. We are not looking at uh, patients at the individual level. We're looking at things more on a systems level, population level. And I don't quite think that 
um, people understand that outside of public health, what public health is. Um, And then also um, what we were talking about, how um, there's a lot of conversation. Now, if it's pandemic related, you do start to see the the rates of infection. You're starting to see population level epidemiology. But I think I just appreciate this conversation so much because we are bringing more light and more awareness to the fact that public health is broader than uh, epidemiology and it is broader than uh, medical care. Yes, definitely. Um, I think... When we look at it, there's a broad spectrum of what public health is. We do have the epidemiologists that provide great data and insights. Mm -hmm. We have the policy folks that write policy. So they help Congress people, your policymakers, elected officials create policy for impact. We have those who work on my side where we analyze policy to determine its effects, efficacy, efficiency, if it's meeting its intended goals. Um, Is it providing health equity? Is it providing health access? What can be improved? What should be improved? And how can we do that and conduct some research around that? Of course, we have the behavioral side of public health. And then we have topics that really almost anything can be fit into public health. So I think it is important that we highlight the other aspects and the important people doing the work across the field of public health. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for the work that you do. Um, Yeah, Uh, what career advice would you give to someone who's getting started in the workforce? Uh, I know someone, I know a few people who are interested in other aspects of public health, like what uh, we've discussed today, things like uh, policy, um, advocacy, um, you know, these other aspects of public health that we don't hear as much about. Uh, even as students, we, we hear a whole ton about epidemiology. <laughs> we do all kinds of epi classes. We do so much epi, right? Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's just getting started in the workforce and is familiar or is interested in learning more about the work that, the kind of work that you do? Um, I think for anyone starting out, the most important advice I would give is to be curious. So look into everything, do your research, look into the different fields, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions is also a great one. Um, Starting out, I asked my professors questions. I asked them about their professional networks, people who they know, who worked in state government, who worked at the federal level, people with backgrounds in private sector, non-governmental organizations, community-based organizations. So I was really curious and I asked a lot of questions. And even if I had maybe a five to 10 minute conversation just to pick someone's brain, to get a little more insight into what they do and how they got there, I think is something really important because we can learn a lot from the people who have done the things we've done before or would like to do. So I think it's important to be curious and to ask questions. Also, I think it's important for people starting out to know that just because you start in one arena, you don't have to be boxed in. You don't have to only do data. You don't only have to do policy. There's a lot of ways to combine a lot of different topic areas. And sometimes you might be the person to innovate and bring some much needed transformation to these different aspects around any particular health topic, whether it be tobacco control, which we know we have a plethora of data around, or it may be something new like the coronavirus. Um, There's a lot of ways to combine multiple topic areas. So you don't have to just be confined to policy. If you're interested in other aspects, I think you should learn about them. 
um, enhance your skills, find ways to learn professionally, grow and develop those skills and combine as many of them as you can. And it's also all right to share. I may start off in policy and I may move towards evaluation or something else if a right opportunity presents itself. So really don't be afraid to try new things and to, you know, learn, evolve and grow. I think those are some very important things starting out. And also I'll say be passionate. Be passionate about the work that you're doing. Be passionate about the communities that you want to impact and help. Be passionate about the work that will represent yourself and also helping others along the way. So if you have the opportunity to mentor others, um, I definitely do as much as I can in my free time just to reach out and provide that insight to others who may be coming along. Um, Because at times I wish I had those mentors who would say, hey, why don't you look into this? Or maybe that may not be the best approach right now, or just to give some insights. Um, So I also say, even once you're starting out, even six months, one year into a career, you have some insight that someone else doesn't, and you can be an impactful person in another person's story. So make sure that you provide that mentoring opportunity or reaching out even to students, high school students, sharing the knowledge of public health, getting people interested in public health. Because I think a lot of times we hear the medical or healthcare field and we think nurse, doctor, um, those more traditional things, but public health is a vast network of people. And I think we have a lot to offer the community. As we see during this pandemic, we have been called to the front lines, literally from state, local, federal governments to do the work, to be, to be deployed in the field and to really bring our knowledge and skill sets to the front. So I think that's also important that we share that message going forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I think you raised some very important points. I mean, life is, you know, life is long. I mean, as long as we're still here, uh, life can be long. And um, you have so many opportunities to learn new things all the time, constantly learning. Um, And then also not limiting yourself to just one aspect of public health. And um, I mean, that's the benefit of public health, that it is so broad, that we have these opportunities to just learn and um, participate in all kinds of things, whether it be a different skill or even just a different um, type of disease or different um, health concern. So there's just so much that can be done and um, just keeping those options open. And I even, um, you know, take it to another level where I talk about how you know, people um, should be passionate about the work that they do, um, that they're hired to do. But then if that job is not exactly what your passion is, please continue to pursue and find that um, public health message and serve the community in the way that um, you feel is necessary as well in other ways, like um, not necessarily a hobby, but also just a personal cause. Definitely, definitely. I think that is an important thing. Um, Many times starting out, you may find that you've accepted a position in a field of somewhat interest to you or that you might be interested in, but it might not be your passion area. And I think there is nothing wrong with taking the skills that you are employed for and using them in the community or for your passion areas until you are able to make your work and passion align. Sometimes that works for people and sometimes it doesn't. And that's not a bad thing, but I think the skills that you develop in school, on the work, in the workforce can really be used for your passion. So particularly, I'm very passionate about HIV and STD education for um, the African-American men who have sex with men community, especially since HIV rates are really 
on a rise recently, um, even though nationally, overall, they're going down. So that tells me there are some gaps in public health coverage, messaging, policies that are out there that need to be addressed to better help those communities. Mm -hmm. And in my free time, I'm using the work and the skills that I've learned to really apply those in the community to get to the root cause of some of these issues, to do research and understand, and, you know, volunteer and contribute where I can. So it's not just about what you're employed to do, but also what you're passionate and called to do. Mm-hmm. Very much. Very good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. I think this is a beautiful discussion and so necessary. And, um, you know, my goal as well is to continue to expand the message of what public health is and what the what we can do uh, in this field and how everyone, anyone can get connected to this field of public health. And so how can people get in touch with you if they have any more questions, they want to know more about your work? Uh, they have, you know, mentorship, guidance, advice that they're looking for? Definitely, definitely. Um, You can get in contact with me. I think the easiest way would be through my LinkedIn page, which is under my name, Samuel, last name, Clasp, C-L-A-S-P is in Peter. Um, That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, Starting in the new year, I will start up my mentoring calls again, where students, new employees, or even seasoned veterans in public health reach out and just ask questions and touch base where we help grow our networks and share the information that we have. Um, So that's a great way to reach out to me as well as via my email, which is samuel.jp.clasp at hotmail.com. And if you have questions or would like more information or interested in mentoring or being mentored, um, you can reach out to me there and I'm happy to provide that information as well. Thank you. I really appreciate this conversation once again, and um, I hope to continue to stay in touch with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you, Dr. Samuel Clasp. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Public Health Networker. For more information about the Public Health Podcast Network, visit us at publichealthpodcasters.com. You can also find us on Twitter at phpodcasters or on Instagram at publichealthpodcasters. Thank you.